Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. The reigning American League Division champions head into 2020 with their sights set on bigger things. This is the show that keeps you plugged into that pursuit with all the news, moves, and more. It's the Twins Hot Stove Show, presented by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. And here's your host of the Hot Stove Show, Chris Atterbury. As the Nationals are a strike away from franchise history and some World Series history. Hudson sets the kick in. Here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books. The celebration is on. Bang, zoom, go the fireworks. That's the voice of Dave Jagler, the fine radio broadcaster of the Washington Nationals. And that put a cherry on the Sunday of the 2019 Major League Campaign. Washington winning their first World Series championship. Uh, Welcome to the Twins Hot Stove Show as we put our eyes forward towards 2020. I am Chris Atterbury from our network headquarters here at Target Field. And welcome in however you are joining us, whether it's live across our fine network of affiliates, perhaps it's Facebook Live, perhaps you are podcasting this later on a warmer day. We're glad to have you with us as we embark on another offseason of the Twins Hot Stove Show. Here's what you can expect from tonight's program. We're going to play What's Brewing, give you a chance to win a Killebrew prize pack, and we'll tell you how at the end of segment one. We're hopefully going to lock in with uh, the uh, boss, the baseball boss of the Minnesota Twins, try to figure out what we're supposed to call him now, and that's Derek Falvey. We will discuss off-season plans, and there are plenty of uh, ways and directions to go in that one. We'll have a little baseball bulletin for you. We'll play three cuts with Derek, and we'll also have some bonus coverage for those of you who choose to podcast this later in the week. I caught up with an old friend and the television voice of the Texas Rangers, Dave Raymond and we discussed, among other things, one of the biggest stories in baseball right now, and that is the sign-stealing allegations against the Astros made by an active player. Accusations, lots of them. Whispers, lots of them. But an active player, that is something new. All of that as part of this debut edition of this year's Twins Hot Stove Show, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota, how memories are created and legends are made. So let's kick things off with our baseball bulletin. 
It sounds like that's just like a digital clip, but it's actually Gino sitting next to me with his typewriter. He still hasn't figured out how to work either of his computers. Let's buzz through some of the newsworthy bits around the game that we're talking about here in studio. Maybe not frontline stuff or front page stuff, but things we're talking about here in studio. And we start with the Nationals winning that World Series. Of course, Kurt Suzuki, Brian Dozier, Fernando Rodney, and Chip Hale. All uh, part of that crew in Washington, former Twins, uh, who are deservedly at the top of the baseball heap. Other awards have been handed out. Nelson Cruz won his third Silver Slugger. Congratulations to him. Mitch Garver won a Silver Slugger as well. The only other catcher to do that with the Twins was Joe Maurer. So congrats to Mitch Garver. Kyle Gibson, free agent. Kyle Gibson elected to the Missouri base or the Missouri Hall of Fame, not just Baseball Hall of Fame, but the Missouri Athletic Hall of Fame. So congratulations going out to Kyle. Uh, he joins our buddy Tim Laudner, who is already a member. He was inducted last year, had to wait a little longer than Kyle did. So don't know where Kyle's going to end up uh, this year, but we know he's going to end up in the Mizzou Hall of Fame. More congratulations in order. Trevor Hildenberger married this past weekend, currently enjoying his honeymoon in the Napa area. So congratulations to him. Congratulations. Congratulations to Ray Smith as he was named the Appalachian League Hall of Fame. Amazed that he wasn't in it already. Smitty, of course, has been skippering the E-Twins in Elizabethan for a long, long time, since 1987. Over 1,400 wins, nine league titles, seven-time manager of the year. They had to change the playoff rules because of Ray Smith. Congrats to Ray Smith. And, of course, congratulations also to manager of the year, Rocco Baldelli. I'm Kind of at a loss for words, but I, but I think what I can say is that, you know, n nobody takes on the responsibility of working in baseball or doing a job like this um, for personal accolades, and I mean that. I mean, you, you, you take these types of roles because you want to do everything you can for your group and for your players and for your staff and for your front office and for the organization. I do everything that I can, but it doesn't matter, um, you know, necessarily what I'm going to do every day when I come to the to the ball field. And, and you need an entire group, and and from the the Polad family to Derek and Thad, um, Shelty was my right hand man. Our staff was incredible. We needed everybody to come together, um, and then it really comes down to the players going out there and, and doing it. You need great players. We have great players. We have leadership in our clubhouse. Um, we, we, we had a lot of things going really well this year, and it's because of our group. It was a, it was a pretty amazing year, and, and thank you for, uh, for everybody out there that voted for me. But th I don't accept this award you know, as an individual. I, I accept it as a, as a member of the Minnesota Twins. That's the sound of Rocco Baldelli. Becomes the fourth twin skipper to win manager of the year. In fact, the last four, Tom Kelly, Ron Gardner, Paul Molitor, and now uh, first-year skipper Rocco Baldelli. Uh, he actually tied Aaron Boone in first-place votes, had more second-place votes. So congratulations to Mr. Rocco Baldelli. Great way to start his offseason. We'll hear from the man who hired Rocco coming up in our next segment. That's Derek Falvey. But first, here's how you have a chance to win with us every week. It's our What's Brewing competition. And if you come up with the uh, most interesting answer, well, you might end up with a Killebrew prize pack on your doorstep. And believe me, it will be ice cold root beer by the time you have a chance uh, to open it up. Uh, again, it's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. It's fairly simple. We toss out an idea and we want you to tweet at us at Twins Radio. And you can use the hashtag Twins Radio to get our attention as well and answer this question. Who was the, for you, unsung hero of the 2019 Central Division champion Twins and why? 
We hear about the manager of the year. You heard about some silver sluggers. Was it a staff member? Was it a player? Was it a front office member? Who was the unsung hero of the 2019 club that made this such a glorious summer in Twins territory? And why at Twins Radio could win you a Killebrew prize pack? And we'll announce our winner next week. So for those of you podcasting us, you've still got a chance to get your answer in before we uh, get at it here in episode two of our Hot Stove Show this offseason. Right now, we take a break. When we come back, we'll catch up with Derek Falvey. This is the Twins Hot Stove Show, and this is your home for Twins Baseball. Chris Atterbury welcoming you back to our network headquarters here at Target Field, kicking off the Hot Stove season. That's S-E-A-S-O-N. We've, we No more S-Z-N's. But we are in our hot stove season with our first show, and we are proud to welcome in from the GM's meetings uh, in Arizona, a guy who I, I don't even know what to call you now. I don't know what's on your business card. I know you're not the GM. You're like Wooderson, hanging out with the high school kids uh, in Days and Confused, Derek Falvey. What, what do we call you now? I think you could just call me Derek. Okay. We'll call- <laughs> That's, uh, that works just fine by me. You uh, and Thad are going to be sticking around a while, according to news that broke here in the Twin Cities a little bit earlier today. And uh, is there, in fact, a change in title, if not responsibility, or maybe both for you? Well, no, I, I think what it more reflects, uh, the, the change in title is more reflective of some of where the industry has gone. Uh, in many ways, doesn't change much of our day-to-day or operationally, uh, certainly uh, feel like uh, I've been very fortunate and very blessed to be a part of this organization and uh, to get a chance to lead up our baseball group. I, I think uh, this was more just reflective of what the industry has gone toward in terms of structures and titles. Yeah, we're going to talk more about your group, both in the front office and your staff, uh, some quality people headed on to bigger things and in, in, in other fields, uh, and also uh, some quality people being elevated uh, to new positions in the organization. But I want to kick off kind of linearly uh, with tomorrow being the day that you find out, and across baseball we find out, are qualifying offers accepted or are they not? Now, it's Jake Odorizzi for the Twins. There are many quality would-be free agents who are in that boat. How does that work process-wise, Derek? Do, do you hear directly from an agent? Is there some sort of a clearinghouse where, where all the teams find out at the same time? How, how exactly will tomorrow work? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's something that, uh, as you said, a number of players are going through the process of making a determination as to whether or not they'll accept that offer uh, and, then, and then determine what happens after that. Well, we will find out from the commissioner's office. There is a uh, coordination between the Players Association and Major League Baseball. So once the once Jake and or his representatives let their uh, their union know that is then made aware to Major League Baseball, it's possible during that time or even just prior to that that uh, his representatives will let us know the direction they're headed. But uh, we're you know we certainly felt Jake did a great job for us this past year. There's a reason why we, we placed that offer on him, and we'd love to have him back, and, and we'll see where things go from tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow's going to make uh, for an exciting time, and of course you guys will all be there. A lot of representatives from 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 every team. I mentioned we'll start linearly because that's what happens first, and I think fans want to think of an offseason in that manner. First A, then we add B, and then C. Is it more of a matrix, though, from where you sit in terms of all the various things that you need to get accomplished, whether it be filling out your training staff, filling out your coaching staff, filling out your front office positions, as well as the roster stuff? Yeah, it, it, we have to do all at once. So uh, they're, uh, unfortunately in, in baseball, and, and what we love about it in some ways is that you're always moving. It's fast-paced. You've got free agency has started. You're talking trades with other clubs. You, you have some changes that you have to fill within your, uh, your front office and your, and your coaching staff and otherwise, and, and you alluded to that in the open, but we've had 
We've had some people take on responsibilities, some great opportunities elsewhere, and I think it's reflective of a, a, a really healthy organization if people are coming after your people. As painful as it is to lose some of our staff, it's really important that we develop the types of staff members that can grow into uh, to new roles and take on responsibility elsewhere. So, yes, we're working on all of those right now as we speak at the GM meetings. It's fairly common that you will uh, meet with every club. You'll meet with any uh, agent who's out here to try and understand the desires of their clients and the potential fits in free agency. This is really your kickoff to the offseason. And while I know uh, fans at home always are expecting what news may come next, this is really the stage where I think the ground gets set for a lot of the movement that comes as we approach winter meetings. You mentioned structure, and with you and Thad, kind of a two-headed monster there, and you've got Daniel Adler and Jeremy Zoll and, and Rob Anthony. Do you guys kind of divide and conquer to get as much face time with as many different camps as possible at an event like this? Yeah, we do. We try to. And, you know, Some of it's done collectively or together, uh, certainly for some agents of some players. Uh, Thad and I will meet collectively with them, and we'll bring a number of the rest of our group together with them. Uh, but there are times where uh, I'll, I'll connect with a team uh, that I have some relationship with their, their GM or head of baseball ops, and then Thad will connect with another. Uh, we'll divide and conquer while we're out here to try and be more efficient with our time. But it's, uh, we, we're utilizing everyone within our group here to gain as much insight and information as we can about players and team needs. Now, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the folks that we alluded to, uh, Jeremy Zoll and Daniel Adler in particular. They uh, have new titles. They'll be assistant general managers. How will their duties change? And uh, as a sidebar, did Jeremy get specific language in the new deal that he didn't have to talk to me every Sunday? <laughs> I don't know about that. We're going to have to work out that second piece of it as, as we go along. But I will say that I, I love talking about our guys and, and other people within our group. And, uh, you know, those two guys in particular, and, and Jeremy and Daniel, once, when we brought them on, both of them shined from, from the moment they walked through our doors. Uh, you know, Jeremy focused heavily on player development as our, as our director of the minor leagues, uh, continued to develop great process, has been instrumental in, in developing one of the best farm systems in the game. And I think that when he brought in Alex Hassan uh, as his assistant director, we could see right away how this, how this could grow and develop over time. So Alex now elevates into the director of, of player development and minor league operations role, while Jeremy now jumps into a much bigger development role. He'll, he'll oversee Alex and, and some of our other development areas, inclusive of the major leagues. So he'll be involved with our performance staff and what we're doing medically and from a strength and conditioning standpoint, you know, from nutrition to the implementation of our advanced process at the major league level. He's going to team up with all of us now at, at the major and minor leagues to oversee development. And then in Daniel Adler, you have somebody who came in uh, with a really creative and interesting background working in the NFL, having done research and development um, oversight for us uh, within this organization, but also elsewhere, and, and came in and really built out a, a robust analytics and research and development staff. And he will continue to overarch that, that space, but now takes on a lot more role a lot more of a role in, in salary arbitration, contract negotiation, and really overall baseball operations strategy. So those two guys will take on more more meaningful management and leadership responsibilities. And I, there's plenty of work to go around. We've got a lot lot to do. And uh, those will, those two guys will be key lieutenants for us as we go forward. Yeah, and I've said it a, a million times personally and publicly, those are future general managers. Those are just two really bright, sharp guys. Though I'm worried if Zoll's in charge of nutrition, it's just going to be brunch. You guys are just going to be having brunch constantly because I feel like that's kind of his jam. Staff-wise, uh, James Rousen, great opportunity. Uh, you lost some guys in the minor leagues like a Tanner Swanson and, and Pete as well. Uh, timelines for that, or do you have to let everything else sift out 
Uh, and knowing that there was going to be a lot of attention on your staff members, had you gone about maybe banking a little list of people that you might be interested in talking to? No, no question. I, that was a big part of it. We knew having had this season we just had and uh, having implemented some really good process over the last couple of years, we knew people may come after uh, our employees. And, and again, as I said just a moment ago, that's the sign of a healthy developing organization. Now, the, the real sign, the next step is making sure that we continue that uh, that success and in in those philosophies in the minor leagues and uh, or in scouting or any other area that we that we lose people. And I think that what we've done is try and uh, make sure that even for those people like a Tanner Swanson or Pete Fatsy or someone in that space, that we have internal candidates to help too and, and, and guide us. So we're, we're interviewing presently a, a mix of internal and external folks for some of these jobs. As you said, some of this will take time and play out, especially as other major league staffs are, are continuing to be filled. Uh, by by other candidates we we expect there could be some additional change along the way Uh, we have a pretty good head start on on where we want to go at the major league level but uh, we may not know entirely how this shakes out until we get to december so we just need to be prepped and prepared both internally and externally with what we do there's been a trend in baseball okay now we're going to the college ranks it's okay to do that to get guys now we're going to the gurus you know the private gurus who either online or have their own businesses Uh, you've gone into business that's not baseball related to find help in the game as well what's the next rock to turn over to find talent yeah well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna reveal too much of that yet Uh, I i would hope that we could keep it as an advantage but you're right i mean we've We've been very aggressive in those spaces that you mentioned. I think Wes Johnson being a great example of the most recent major league hire uh, that came right out of college. And I think uh, clearly he showed that he had the ability to do that and impact us greatly. And then I, you know, I think about some of the guys that we've hired out of the private space or, or the private sector that work with players individually. You know, someone like Pete Fatsy who made a, a meaningful impact on our hitting development program in the minor leagues in just one year that he was here. So I, I fully expect that we'll continue to explore that. My, the way I look at this is I don't believe that the only people who know development and that can help us grow and get better are, are people who are just within the professional baseball ranks. I think we have to be more open-minded to creative people from different areas of different businesses who have a passion for what we do and have a passion for development and growing and, and leading this business. And I think that the more we do that and the more we invest in those types of people, the more creative we'll be. And Hopefully, we'll give ourselves some competitive advantages along the way. Derek Falvey is our guest here on the Twins Hot Stove Show. And, Derek, there are a lot of topics that fans are thinking about. What ball is going to be in play? What's going to happen with that? Uh, an active player calling out a former team for electronically stealing signs. Huge story. Just the fact that whispers, yes, but an active player actually on the record. This is uncharted territory. Those are big stories for fans. That and who lands where. What are big stories game-wide at the GM meetings, what are people there talking about that might be different topics or maybe, in fact, are the same topics? Well, in, in many ways, they are the same topics. Uh, you know, we, we have a chance at GM meetings to, to meet with other clubs and do some of our club business. But when we're in our major league meetings, which uh, essentially take up half of each day, uh, we have some sessions that talk about some of the things that are being discussed right now around how do we make sure that uh, the game is played on the field and not uh, not with additional assistance electronically or otherwise from uh, that's outside the the rules. And I, I will say this that you know our our view of this is we support Major League Baseball's involvement in trying to uh, trying to police this area because I, I think all we want, all I ask for is that when we play the game that night, you know, it's the, it's the twenty five guys on each team playing one another, and hopefully the best team wins. and And sometimes it'll be us and sometimes it'll be the other guys. But what you don't want to hear is that there have been some other, 
strategies employed that are outside the rules and, and, and don't and don't allow for fairness in the game. So we're talking about that here for sure. I know the baseball has been a, a hot topic. We learned a lot more about uh, that, that aspect of this and the, and really how a baseball is made uh, quite, quite down to the, the degree and the level of that and recognizing that there's still a handmade process to, to how a baseball is made. And that does create some variability at times. And, and for the first time in the last few seasons, we have tracking mechanisms to really evaluate every ball that's hit over the course of a season. And I think we're learning things now about the game that may have been in place for a number of different years that we just never knew about because of those advances in technology. So it's a fun time to talk about the game for fans to follow it. I think there's a lot of things we need to figure out as we go forward, but all in the interest of trying to make the game better. Did you get to make your own baseball? Was this a hands-on like arts and crafts type thing where you guys got to wind one? It wasn't quite that, although I did see how it was uh, how it was made, and I'm not sure I'd be any good at it. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I'm not not so sure about that. If you put your mind to it, I have confidence in you, Derek. Derek Falvey's going to stick around through the break. One final segment where we have him uh, in the batter's box for three cuts as we kick off the hot stove season with our hot stove show brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota, how memories are created and legends are made. Back with three cuts and Derek Falvey after this on your home for Twins Baseball. Chris Atterbury welcoming you back to the Twins Hot Stove Show. We're going to do this every Wednesday throughout the course of the winter. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, made in Minnesota, how memories are created and legends are made. Welcoming everybody tuning in on Facebook Live across our network. And, of course, those of you, wherever you find your favorite podcast, who have discovered us there. And for those of you who want to check out the podcast, there'll be some bonus material today uh, with my good friend Dave Raymond, television voice of the Texas Rangers, talking about some of the issues of the day as well as what's going on down in the Lone Star State as we enter the offseason. Right now, though, we're focused on Derek Falvey. And Derek Falvey is kind enough to join us for three final cuts, three Super hard-hitting questions for the Twins baseball boss as he is uh, kind enough to join us from the GM's meetings where the work, I'm sure, is just getting underway for the night. So, Derek, we start with this one. How do you watch the World Series? Do you watch it as a fan, as a scout, as an analyst, or as a comparative exercise to see where those teams are versus your club? Or maybe another option. I would say it's it's probably all of the above. Uh, the answer is E on that one. I, I think that <laughs> I watch it from a distance and, and from a comparative standpoint, you're always trying to assess these are the teams that made it to the final pairing and what did they do to get there? How did they get there? So from a scouting standpoint, from an, from an, an analysis standpoint, you try and figure out what, what those teams are doing well and, and, and certainly learned a lot about the clubs that got there this, this off season. At the same time too, you're, there's a part of you that when you work in this game for as, as, as long as I have now, you start to develop relationships and, and friendships and, and you get to know different people across the game and, and you're really happy for, for individuals. Now, sometimes they're on both sides of the ledger in, in the World Series, but at the end of the day, you're rooting for people and, and at, at when, when careers end and when it's all done, you look back on those, those relationships you have. So I, I ended up rooting for some different people along the way and really happy for uh, some of those who were with the Nationals and ultimately won it and had been doing this for a long time. So I, uh, I watch it from all different angles. I, I enjoy it still. I'm a passionate baseball fan at heart, obviously trying to make sure the Twins uh, put themselves in the best position to get there ourselves at some point. Yeah, that's a great answer. Unfortunately, you did not use the number two pencil and fill in the oval completely, so Scantronic does not recognize it. Uh, we'll move <laughs> on to our second question. Uh, your famed bibliophile, thanks to our team president, Dave St. Peter, what is the last book that you read? <laughs> the last book that I read uh, was a book called Range by David Epstein. It's a really interesting book on 
on kind of variation in uh, in understanding uh, development of athletes and and even talent just in general outside of athletics as well. It's a great book. The generalists are, are erupting in joy as uh, as we <laughs> no again that's question. range that's range uh, by Daniel Epstein. How many are you up to for the year? We're coming on the last month. You got to get to fifty. Oh goodness, I don't I don't count them. <laughs> I, I think Dave I think Dave overestimated my book title for sure. I, I've got. Uh, I used to before two kids and, and all the work that I get into now. Uh, I don't think I get quite as deep as I used to. Yeah, that changes a little bit. All right, we got a quick one here to finish up. Great weekend for sports here in the Twin Cities, and what the Golden Gopher football team has done has been fantastic. I know that you and Thad have been very aggressive in reaching out to other people in other sports. Hugh McCutcheon was at spring training, the fine volleyball coach at the U. Cheryl Reeve has has been over for you guys to compare notes and to learn from one another. Do you have a relationship with PJ at all? And do you and PJ Fleck uh, have any sort of a back and forth? You know, I, I've, I've admired what he's done over there at the U, and I met him early on when he came over. We've texted from time to time. I think we're both, you know, naturally busy in our schedules, but I, I have seen him at a few different events. Uh, certainly have, have exchanged some ideas with him at different times, but I just, you know, what they've done, congrats to them and, and what they've been able to accomplish so far. They've got some some tough weeks ahead, I know. I know they're excited about them, but pretty cool to see what happened last weekend against Penn State back in back in Minnesota and uh, just proud of what they have accomplished from a distance. Yeah, it's uh, an awful lot of fun, and uh, thank you so much for joining us, Derek. I know you're just getting started on a busy offseason. We'll check in intermittently. I think PJ would agree. An elite performance tonight for you on the Hot Stove Show. I'll let you get back to work, and we'll see you down the line. Thanks. Appreciate it. And then the last thing I just wanted to say about Rocco Baldelli's manager of the year, I mean, an incredible achievement for him and, and something I'm proud of for him personally and uh, I hope uh, everyone in the Twin Cities recognizes how, how great it is that we have Rocco a part of our organization. Yeah we got to hear him up top to kick things off and it's a great way to bookend it here uh, from the man who hired Rocco Baldelli here with the Minnesota Twins. Thanks Derek. Thanks for having me on. All right, that is uh, Twins, uh, I guess, president of baseball operations now, Derek Falvey. We just call him Derek and some great insight into how this organization will be attacking the offseason. We want to remind you to attack our What's Brewing competition. Again, the question was, who was the unsung hero of the 2019 Twins player, coach, front office member? Tell us who and why at Twins Radio via Twitter, and you can win a Killebrew prize pack from our good friends at Killebrew Root Beer Made in Minnesota, how memories are created and legends are made. And again, if you're joining us live, we appreciate it. If you want to check out the podcast, wherever you find your Twins podcast, uh, you can hear everything we had with Derek. You can play our game, hear from Dave Raymond with some uh, bonus material as well. And we are joined by one of my favorite people in the game. He's the television voice of the Texas Rangers. He's worked for the Astros, Orioles, Giants, anybody who would have him, frankly. It's Dave Raymond, a uh, long-time, long-time friend of mine. And, uh, and Dave, you join us from the Lone Star State. The Hot Stove Show is supposed to be about, oh, we're going to get this guy, we're going to get that guy. 12 out of 13 experts say Anthony Rendon's going to be a Ranger. Um, but somehow baseball can't stay out of its own way. And the big topic right now is electronic sign stealing and and cheating and what's cheating and what's just part of the game and that is conversation that's been had through the game for a million years but what's different now is that there is an actual active player and a good one who's put his name on it in Mike Fires and in that sense I I feel like this story is um is is bigger than anything else going on right now in a game that certainly has plenty of issues to have a, a player's name attached to it is something we just haven't seen a pretty remarkable little turn of events yeah. that, that Mike Fires would come out and obviously willingly talk about it 
And we all know how these things work. You know, I, I, you want to go on the record? Yeah, I'll go on the record. I'll talk about it. And then, I mean, you know, we, we most of us have read the story, uh, all the details about teammates that he told uh, with other teams to you know, just be wary of this activity. And uh, really amazing. Uh, I, I really don't know what to make of that, uh, you know, what it means for Mike Fires inside the industry. It's certainly... You know, you and I have been around the game long enough, and you know enough people, talk to enough people, you realize that there's a certain amount of tomfoolery that teams acknowledge goes on, and, and, and they will they will allow the other teams to do it. Even though they, they know it, it's like, well, we don't want to draw their attention to us loading the ball. We're going to let them load the ball, you know? And, and that's kind of how it goes. I mean, there are guys who scuff and, and do little – do little things out there on the mound, and, and everybody knows it. As much as individuals travel from team to team these days, mm-hmm. that stuff's just not secret. So um, the degree to which you'll allow another person to do that or when you choose to call them out for it is is sort of interesting. But to fully come out like this, as Mike Fires has, and, and drag the Astros through this is really, really remarkable, and people are – uh, coming up with all sorts of conspiracy theories as to why he would have done it, but um, it's I think I think it's important. I think it's a, it's a good one for everybody to take seriously now and figure out how to deal with it. And I I will say I don't know about you, Chris, but there seems like there's a very simple solution to the problem that would also uh, have a, an unintended consequence of actually speeding the game up a little bit, and that is. Just allow the pitcher and catcher to communicate electronically, by voice or whatever. A uh, couple of clicks, uh, if, it, if it's if it's that simple, um, and then we won't be stealing anything, and there won't be any issues, and we can all just kind of move on. Um, but in the interim, we have to figure out how and why this stuff is getting done, and and put a stop to it. And I, I and if you're baseball, out. though, this is the last thing you want because you're sitting here, you want. Baseball has always struggled with its offseason to try to make it as cool as the offseason is in football and in basketball. And they drag out how awards are announced, and they try to keep the free agency thing uh, at the front burner, but it just has never been able to compete with basketball or football in terms of that offseason conversation starters or clickbait, if that's what it comes to for how you consume your information. And to to lead off with the ongoing investigation from the Taubman fallout, and now the Astros are in the crosshairs on this one, they're going to try to draw other teams into the into the fire. MLB gives their standard, we're investigating. This is about as bad uh, as the offseason can start, except for the saving grace that no one's talking about which baseball we're going to play with next year. Yeah, I guess yeah, we avoid the other negative topics, but there's no doubt that, that this is um, kind of an unsavory uh, subject that, that they would rather be on the back burner. But it is, I mean, it is also, though, part of what makes the game so intriguing to me is that there are so many ways to go about this. Everybody's cheating. I think we, we should start the conversation by acknowledging that, that everybody's trying to get an edge yep. somehow. The method by which you go about that is sort of at issue here. You can't do it electronically. And uh, based on, on the story and what we're hearing, uh, the way that the Astros did it is definitely a, a very egregious breach of etiquette. Um, 
it's a lot different than a guy being clever out at second base and figuring out the signs and relaying them. That, 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 that's as old as the game. But this is not cool, and, and it, uh, it needs addressing. You know, it's funny because you go around the clubhouses and, and you see the security measures in place. You hear about uh, the Major League Baseball personnel who just travel back and forth over the course of the game, making sure nobody's doing anything wrong. Yeah, they sit and in the replay room. It could be very difficult. Yeah. yeah, you would think it would be. Uh, yeah, but it, it's apparently not. And the other thing that you look at is is that it's not surprising, right? We know this, but why now to bring it into the light? And people will point to Mike Fires playing for Oakland. Oakland's in the same division with Houston. Uh, and that's going to get a lot of attention uh, as well. Uh, and the fact that he's good, right? I mean, if, if this was a guy who just had a cup of coffee and got sent back down, people might dismiss it as sour grapes. And that's what I think makes it so unprecedented to have Mike Fires on the record. And I'm curious... Will there be more active players willing to put their name out there on the record with what they know or what they don't know? Or especially as we look at this, you know, oncoming stare off between the Players Association and the league, uh, are people going to be hesitant to say anything at all? Well, if we had some resolution for this situation, I mean, we're only 24 hours into it now, but if we knew what the ramifications ultimately are going to be for Mike Fires that would affect, you know, how many guys are going to come out if they feel like, well, there's really nothing, you know, no damage done. Yeah, I'll, I'll bury a couple other teams. Um, then, you know, then we might see it. But there might be a lot of guys standing by saying, like, whoa, that's whoa. a little hot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, might, I might take this one a little slower. But um, at the same time, what he's done is he's just kind of taken the lid off this can of worms. And I don't. I mean, I don't think anybody's suffering under the disillusion that that there are teams playing just totally clean, straightforward baseball and a couple of cheaters. Again, everybody's trying something. And so this just, you know, shines the light a little bit on it and might force baseball's hand into being more aggressive with the way that they enforce it. You remember, whatever it was, a year or two ago when, Houston got into trouble with the guy in the camera well. Yeah, again, with the cell phone. person associated with Tobman. But, but um, you know, that got uh, investigated and resolved very quickly and very quietly. Just like uh, the uh, the Red Sox with the iWatch. It was the same deal, right? The guy in the dugout oh, exactly. with using the Apple Watch, and that happened. And, oh, no harm done, and we moved on. Yes, and, and they did a really good job of, of sort of quashing the story, and, and that's what they will – I, I, this is going to be harder. <laughs> I mean, this is this is not going to be an, an easy one to just brush under the rug. But um, and it is definitely not the subject matter that that they wanted to to start the off season with. But at the same time, it really is. I think it really is worth addressing. And going back to the you know the the idea of just the the pitcher and catcher being able to to speak to one another. Kind of remember when football it took football a long time to get there. But how about we stop signaling into the quarterback and <laughs> sending a running back in with a play to, to mess up the game of telephone? And why don't we just speak directly to the quarterback? And, you know, that seemed like a good idea. I think it has worked. There was, there was definitely some cheating. I, I remember a, a Kansas or Kansas State uh, inter, intercepting a signal at one point um, and getting in trouble for that. But So that, that there will be some care that will have to be taken on that. But I think if they can come up with something as simple as that technology, well, then it removes it removes the ability for teams 
to cheat that way. And, and also, again, it might just accelerate that pace of play a little bit, which is the, the other subject that, that people like to talk about so much. I, you know, I don't know how much it would matter or how much people would care, but I, it might be a, a nice byproduct. Yeah, I think a lot of the time, pace of play is code for just bad baseball, where the where there's poor baseball yeah. being played. They they talk about the speed, but who knows? Maybe again, the Atlantic League is where uh, we're going to go as they continue to uh, try to evolve some some different technologies. On the other front, boy, they are hoping, I would guess, uh, in New York, uh, that that somebody, one of these big name free agents, signs a contract before Christmas, right? To uh, to kind of get things uh, not only moving, breaking up the ice a little bit, which uh, didn't move till very late last offseason and also to get people talking about the on-field product because you're coming off a highly compelling World Series and nobody's talking about actual baseball. Yeah, and I agree. And I think this is one of those things that baseball can do um, somehow. I don't know I don't know exactly what the move is, but there has to be something they can do to accelerate the signings and, and, and the off-season maneuvering by just, you know, creating a, a window where things have to get done or um, maybe there's uh, there are additional uh, taxes and things if, if um, you know if a guy signs after a certain date in other words let's put the cards out on the table let's all look at them real quick let's just make some deals and move on instead of playing the games that were played last year and really the, the last couple of years because to your point like you want to get excited about the offseason and the, the moves and what, what's going to happen with my team. And sometimes you'll, you'll get a rumor as early as now, and and you'll have to chew on that for months, and mm-hmm. nothing will happen. And then, uh, you know, guys are hung out at, at great length. And in, in the last season, they, the story developed that, boy, there's, there's something going on. Nobody's getting paid. And then by the end of it, it turns out guys got paid quite a bit. And, uh, you know, they, they, they need to address that in such a way. Structure the offseason and the free agency periods in such a way that that we get more action quicker. And it puts pressure on the teams, puts pressure on the agents. So let's just, let's just get the activity going. And like you say, then, then we can start getting excited about the product and and how these things are going to play out for, for each team. But I, I think that there has to be a way for Major League Baseball just to, to put some structure in place there. And maybe I'm speaking way out of, I'm, I totally am speaking way out of turn on that because what the heck do I know? But it seems like the type of thing that they could do. Yeah, they've talked about it. You know, they've talked about changing those deadlines, but right now two groups that aren't really agreeing on a lot, and uh, that yeah. would just be one of the many things they're not agreeing on. Well, let's focus on that. You guys moving into a new ballpark down there uh, in Arlington in the coming year. Uh, had a new manager this past year, started hot, kind of became what I think a lot of people thought you would be by the end of the year, did not move some name guys uh, at the deadline. Um, and now uh, all of these uh, alleged experts say there's a whole lot of that Texas money to be spent in the free agent market. Do you anticipate the Rangers being active as you watch the other teams in your division uh, calling each other out publicly and getting into offseason uh, kerfluffles? Yeah, I, I do. I do see the Rangers uh, being active. They have signaled as much, uh, I think, as, about as clearly as, as you can expect a team to do that, uh, at least a team like the Rangers. Um, they, they have said a number of times that they'll be active in the free agent market. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean you're going after the big guys, uh, you know, the Rendones, the, the Garrett Coles? Um, uh, you have to we'll, we'll wait and see. But 
indeed, yes, they have expressed interest uh, to Josh Donaldson and uh, to Rendon and to Cole and others. Say, you know, listen, we're in the game. We want to talk to you and, and, and see where where you guys are and, and, and how that might fit. So now how much money and, and how far they're, they're going to want to go, I don't know. And I think you know, most people would agree that there is a danger in putting so many eggs in individual baskets, and you, you see it year in year out where teams are tempted to do so. And I, with Garrett Cole, I see it. Um, uh, with Rendon, I understand it. And no one's going to turn that down. You would love to have those guys. But you, you have to be very careful, of course, about you know hamstringing your organization for the future. Right now, the Rangers are sitting on some pretty decent flexibility financially, and it only gets better um, in a year or two when uh, the Shinsu 2 contract goes away. Um, but, you know, they have real needs, and they have a lot of them. <laughs> so, uh, you know, a simply signing uh, Anthony Rendon isn't going to solve everything, and yet it's going to be just about all the money you have to get it done, right? So that's why I wonder if, while the interest is there, if realistically that is the move that they will make. Because if you do that, then it's really hard to imagine the Rangers having the money to pony up for Garrett Cole or whatever the case, right? I mean, um, but, the, but that's the game, right, where the top very thin percent is getting at oodles of money and then everyone else wants to pay rookie contracts and uh, develop those young guys and let them play when they're 20, 21, and the middle class has evaporated from, from the free agent market. Well, yes, it, it, it's made it very challenging. and uh, But you see teams year in, year out, getting more and more creative and um, taking chances. In recent years, the Rangers have, have gone the bulk method, right? They've, they've signed three or four or five guys who, yeah, you could feasibly see bouncing back, um, maybe having a good year again, maybe, you know, regaining their old form. Um, and then you hope that one of them hits. Mm-hmm. You acknowledge that Tim Lincecum was a flyer. It didn't work out. Um, and it's Volquez was a two-year flyer. It, didn't really work out but you know Lance Lynn did Mike, mm-hmm. Mike Miner did um, you know they, they invested a little more in those guys knowing that there was a higher probability but those, those worked out well and those were really good signings um, you know where you find the next guys and are those guys out there you know it, it's a hard game to play right you, you can take all those flyers but think other contracts are expiring um, so uh, you know again they're not the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers. They don't have or the Cubs. They don't have that kind of you know margin monetary. for error. I think is what you're looking. Well, for. Just, yeah. you're right, exactly, and and so that's where that's where it gets dicey. You've got to you've got to really execute, and so much of it is development, and the Rangers have struggled there. Uh, so, you know, I think they want to try and cover it a little bit now with some free agency, but but um, I just I look at these things every year, whether it's the Rangers or other clubs. I think what. What a bizarre and impossible challenge to try and figure that out. You the, just have to draft good players and have them hit. Yeah. That's really kind of how it works. That's the, the definitely the boiled-down format. The, the thing that gets me this time of year, every team says, well, offer them this, offer them this. Why didn't you sign this? And we sometimes forget that the, the player has, for the first time in their life, choices as to where they want to go. And the money is mind-bending to any of us that, that the top-end players are going to get. 
But one of the things in free agency is where are you going to live? Where does your family want to live? Where is your family? Where are your friends? What's the weather like? What's important to you? Where are you in your, are you young and single? Are you have, do you have three kids in school? And the other one that I don't think it's talked about nearly enough, uh, tax rate. The tax rate in different states is very, very different. And Texas has a major advantage. Florida has a major advantage over states like California, over states like New York, over states like Minnesota, for that matter. The big complaint for Texas all these years was it's too hot. No one wants to play in that boiling, melting heat. You've eliminated that with the new ballpark. You throw in those uh, favorable tax rules. A lot of players live in Texas full time because of that already. A lot of players are from Texas already. Do you think eventually, and probably not in first year, but eventually that actually pays tangible benefits for your club? Yeah, I do. I do. For all those reasons you just uh, enumerated, I think, you know, long term, that's that is going to work out well for the Rangers. They, you know, and I don't think there's any the disguising the fact or, or, you know, dodging that either. I think I think they sell that. I think that's one of the things that they they want to use to their advantage and leverage as much as possible because that's a real that's a real thing. I mean, you, you know, one of the states you just mentioned up up the top there is California. My goodness, what I mean, the difference between playing your home games, let's say in Oakland or San Francisco or LA, whatever, and playing them in Texas, you know, because and fans may not be totally privy to everything, but uh, when you're on the road. Uh, players get taxed by those states. So uh, players for the Rangers, when they play in Oakland and in Anaheim, and, and they do, right, um, uh, 19, oh, you split up the 19, nine or 10 games a year in both those spots, well, they're getting taxed on a prorated basis by California for those dates. That's a lot different, nine or 10 dates, uh, than playing 81 mm-hmm. <laughs> there, um, you know, and uh, so, yeah, it, it's that's definitely real money. Now, as you pointed out too, the sums of money we're talking about—they're probably a, at least a, a certain portion of the baseball population that could care less about the tax rate with the sums of money that they're making. It's like, why? Well, what does it matter? I mean, I couldn't even fathom making that kind of money. So, um, I don't know, and I'm sure teams have to compensate for that a little bit. But it's definitely an advantage for the Rangers, for the Astros. Uh, you know, for the Rays and the and the Marlins and others, uh, you know, you, you, and you'd have to leverage that. And for Texas, I think the big deal is going going inside in a state of the art uh, ballpark. It's going to make a massive difference in the amount of work that guys can do, just the comfort level of playing games and, and working there on a daily basis. So, yeah, I think that's a huge, huge hope is that with the new ballpark and the tax laws and everything in place here. And I think, you know, it's, it, this market has consistently been good year after year. They're, you know, top 10 in attendance. Uh, it's a large market. They, they draw well, even when they're not that great, they draw decently. Um, you know, uh, there, there are a lot of reasons why this team should have money to spend and will have money to spend. And so as they get more and more competitive, and some of these guys develop and the pieces come together, they're going to spend money, and um, and they can do it. So uh, I, I think they're sitting in a pretty good spot. They, they've always talked about next year being the year, not this year, but I think they're trying to get out ahead of that a little bit. Their two biggest issues are third base and pitching, and it just so happens that this market 
<laughs> this year mm-hmm. is really good for that. So um, that's why I wouldn't be surprised if the Rangers were were kind of aggressively active this year. And I, I, I hope they are. I hope they do get a whole lot better because it's a lot more fun to watch, as you know. Will you now have to wear pants at the ballpark? Uh, now that you yeah. guys are going indoor, will you, CJ, uh, the great Eric Nadell, will, will you have to actually cover up those those stems uh, now that you're no longer in the sweltering heat? Well, there's a little give and take with everything, and that is the give um, because, yeah, there's no more polos and shorts broadcast set up now at home for those hot days. It's going to be a suit and tie. Ooh. It's going to be brutal. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't love that, and and that's the topic for another off show, <laughs> or off season uh, show. Like, do fans, do, do viewers really care to see the the team broadcasters in a coat and tie? Does that matter to anybody? Is that moving any needle at all? My goodness. Anyway, big it's a huge big, issue for big neckwear. Big neckwear has been driving that for years, and until big <sighs> neckwear is uh, brought to justice, I don't think it's going to change. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well. <laughs> Big uh, let's, around let's your skinny little neck too yeah exactly i don't i, I mean i don't have a lot to work with there <laughs> <laughs> all right well you got a lot of work uh to do uh throughout this off season with the texas rangers we appreciate you weighing in some interesting uh things to start some interesting topics to start the uh the off season this year some uh, kind of what the league would hope you're talking about. Others, you know, probably a little more on the seedy side of things, and uh, we'll be interesting to see how those uh, trails converge over the course of the next uh, several weeks. Thanks for joining us on the Hot Stove, sir. You know it, Chris. Anytime, my man. Always always fun to chat. You've been listening to the Twins Hot Stove Show, sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated, it's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of a Treasure Island Baseball Network. In the history of Twins baseball, there's one name that means legend, Killebrew. So when you gather together this summer, there's only one old-fashioned root beer that delivers that Hall of Fame taste to thirsty fans everywhere. That's Killebrew. Your family will love Minnesota-made Killebrew old-fashioned root beer and cream soda. Pick up a cold, frothy Killebrew root beer at Target Field. Then cheer on the fun. Take it from me, Ken Herbeck, Killebrew. It's how memories are created and legends are made. It's truck month in the Northland, which means now is the perfect time to get behind the wheel of a Ford, the only truck brand built to brave the wildest conditions and roughest terrain that the Northland can throw at you. There's the adventure-ready Ranger, packed with features to tackle any situation on or off the road and prove to you firsthand how tough has more fun. Plus, the monstrously powerful Super Duty, with more than enough muscle to push through anything that tries to slow you down. And then there's the built Ford Tough F-150, featuring a mix of innovative tech and legendary build quality. We're just tougher up here, and only one truck brand can keep up. Now during Truck Month, get huge total savings and some of the best lease payments of the year on a new F-150, Super Duty, or Ranger. Don't miss out. These trucks are going fast. Go online to buyfordnow.com, then visit your local Northland Ford dealer for a test drive today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.